Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. It's Yo, Friday. It is Friday. Friday. TGIF. It's Friday. It's TGI every day of the week. It is TGI every day of the week because every day is a gift from God, right? That's right. Don't it's take it for granted. Stephanie Delgadillo's birthday today. Happy birthday, Stephanie. Happy birthday if you're listening to us. We're, We're not going to tell you're... anyone how old you are. Nope. We won't. So Perpetually uh, 18. Yeah. But happy birthday. Your birthday is on a Friday. That's exciting. Hope and, you do something uh, fun. Yeah. Hopefully you go out and have a good time and Mario, you better celebrate do your birthday. Big. 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 Or big. Else. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, hey, um, we're coming into the weekend. We've got church coming up, and weekend is a time when life sometimes slows down, but maybe not. We've got sports, and we've got all kinds of other things like that. But, uh, you know, one of the, the common things that I think all of us face in life is the concept of busyness. That That's probably one of the most common responses that you get. You talk to somebody on a Sunday morning, hey, how's your weekend been? Or how's your week been? A lot of times people say one of two things, good and busy. I'm busy. Right? So... PR, this is all about, this whole podcast is about helping people understand the DBR, the daily Bible reading. I think we've probably got a lot of people who listen to us. Maybe they don't even listen to us. Maybe we've got some people that listen to us occasionally that don't listen to us every single day. And they maybe they carry a burden around because they're looking at their lives going, man, I, I just feel like my life is so busy. I don't know how to fit in consistent time in the word. What are some principles that we could give them to encourage them on how they can take a busy life and prioritize time in the word? And, and why is that important? Man, that's a big question. It I don't is. know if I can finish that in a, in a few short sentences, but we can rift. Granted, this could be a sermon, Sint. but just in the, the, the context of this, what are some ways that we can encourage people to prioritize this? Yeah, I think the probably the easiest and most practical advice I would give anybody is you make time for what's important to you, period. True. Like I could, I could probably throw at you five or 10 things right now that I guarantee that you do every day. Do you eat every day? Yes. Do you take a shower every day? Brush your teeth. Probably most days. Yeah. You brush your teeth. Twice. (laughs) Twice. And um, some people even floss on a daily basis. (laughs) Crazy. Those are psychos. Every day, right? You you do things every day and you do them because they're important to you. So I think one of the biggest problems for most people is not a matter of time. It's a matter of prioritization. Mm -hmm. We allow a million other things to take the place of things that are most valuable. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of like that quadrilateral, um, I forget who named, there's someone's name. You know, it's the urgent and important and the not urgent and mm-hmm. not important. You mm-hmm. ever see that square thing? Uh, most of us fall prey to the, is it the Eisenhower matrix? Eisenhower matrix. That sounds right. Yeah, every, most of us fall prey to the urgent, not important. Right. Or the urgent and important. Our job is remember that even though our Bible time is not urgent, in a real sense, it really is urgent, but it, it isn't urgent. It's not gonna, you're not going to die if you don't right. do it. But uh, there is a spiritual urgency to our time in the Word. So it's both urgent and important. If we prioritize it, it'll it'll be good. It will, I, we, we benefit from that tremendously. What yeah. would you add? Yeah, I, I, I think you're dead on on that. And that would be my response too. And, and I think we have more time than we realize that we have. I oh, think. sure. Sure. You know, all the... Pull up your screen time. Tell us that you don't have time. Exactly. Or your dead air time. What are you listening to in the car on the, the drive to work? What are yeah. you listening to in the shower? What are you listening to as you're, you're getting dressed in the morning? Things like that. There, there's dead space that we don't often think enough about how we can redeem that dead space to spend that time in the Word. The other thing that I would challenge people on is that we, we I think we idolize sleep. 
Um, sleep is a, is a good thing, but anytime someone suggests that we would wake up a little bit earlier in order to spend that time in the word, if, if really yeah. you're so busy and, and your, your mornings are down to the minute to where you just don't have that, that extra time, maybe it's worth saying, I'm going to set my alarm 30 minutes earlier to get up earlier to spend that time in the word. And it, it comes down to one of the things that our sending pastor always used to say, which is what's going to matter a hundred years from now. Right. Mm-hmm. And your time in the word is an internal investment. Um, you know, you spend time, we joked about it, brushing your teeth. Eventually your teeth are going to fall out of your head as your body rots away as after you die. Right. I mean, that, yep. that's a, a stark and, kind and of a, a bummer. Uh, yeah. And a, a, an ugly picture, but it's true. And yet we're willing to care for them here and now when these are just temporal things, spending time in the word is an eternal investment for us to make. And so it's worth you being a little bit extra tired until your body adapts to a different schedule to set your alarm 30 minutes earlier, get up out of bed and spend that time in the word. Yeah, I remember Eric Zeller when we were hang- hanging out with him. You remember yeah. this when we were asking, like, how do you read so much? And he said something that's like, oh, yeah, that's kind of obvious. <laughs> he puts he puts his books everywhere he, he's going to have spare moments. So yeah. he has some on his desk, some in his bathroom, some in his living room. He has books everywhere. Yeah. Because it's a constant reminder that he wants to read. And I think we could do the same thing with our Bibles. Easily in today's society with Lagos Bible Man, software on your everywhere. phone or yeah. the ESV app or whatever. You you can always have your Bible with you because my guess is you always have your phone with you. Right. Um, and so that's, that's a great piece of advice there. Spend that time reading the word. Yeah. It's an investment that you will never regret. You won't stand before Jesus at the Bema seat and say, man, I wish I had spent less time in the word. That's right. I fear we may stand before the Jesus at the Bema seat and say, man, I, I wish I had spent more time in your word. Oof. And so prioritization is key. And this is a podcast that we're doing, not meant to replace your time in the word, but to supplement. come alongside and yeah, supplement, be a companion to your time in the like word. Like a vitamin. Exactly. But a good tasting vitamin. Yes. Like the, the Flintstones chewables. Do you ever do those growing mm, up? I well, we didn't really have a lot of money to buy veg, uh, not vegetables. Well, vegetables. that's true too. I'm going to buy a lot of vegetables and we didn't buy a lot of uh, vitamins either. So not really, but on occasion I did, they were amazing. They were good except for the purple one. The purple one was like the one that you were like, oh, I think I like that one actually. You would. It's because it, not, not the chewy ones, right? Are you talking about no, the chewy the, ones or are the, the chalky ones? Like the chalky ones. Those are the good ones. I yeah. like purple. Not purple. Hey, uh, Isaiah, let's get into the word together. Okay, let's do it. Isaiah 16, 17, and 18 today. And then Ephesians chapter one, uno, which Pastor Rod is teaching through with our youth on Wednesday night. So he should That's have right. a wealth, a plethora of information. You're going to have such a hard time stopping me. You're going to say, re-preach your sermons. I'm going to, I might do it. Yep. Don't tell me. Hey, Isaiah 16, we are picking up in the middle of the Oracle concerning Moab. And uh, we talked about that a little bit last week, how, and, and this is a theme that we're going to find in the reading today and tomorrow that, uh, that a Syria is kind of, uh, they're on a terror right now. And a lot of these nations are suffering under the, the, the reign of, of Assyria they're out shaking there. in their boots. Right. They are. And a lot of these nations are people that, that Judah, that Jerusalem, that Israel may have turned to for support during this time. And so a lot of what Isaiah is doing in this section and in tomorrow's section as well is he's through God's word warning Judah not to trust in these other nations. And here you've got Moab. Moab is, is frightened to the point that, that they appeal to Israel and, and to Judah. And Judah says in chapter 16, yeah, you can, you can join us, but you've got to submit to uh, the Davidic king. You, you can't just come under our wing and, and then go back your way and, and not change. We want you, if you're going to come be a part of us, come really be a part of us and submit to the rule of the Davidic king and, and surrender to, uh, to that idea. And that's one thing that Moab just won't do. And that's in verses six and seven, the lament there. We've heard of the pride of Moab, how proud he is of his arrogance, his pride, his insolence. Therefore, let Moab wail for Moab. In other words, you're You're doing it to yourself. Yeah, you've lost your, your opportunity. 
the opportunity was offered and you rejected it. And it's interesting there then that the Lord weeps after Moab in, uh, in the next section there. Um, it's a, it, a interesting picture there of, of her, her stubbornness and her refusal to uh, accept the entreaty of Israel, which to submit to the Davidic king, which would have ultimately been to submit to, to God himself, to Yahweh. Right. And I appreciate that you brought up verse nine. That, that's such a powerful picture of God. Uh, it's, it's as he'll say later on when we get to that section, Ezekiel thirty three eleven. I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God has compassion even as he exercises judgment. Judgment. Yeah. So here's the thing about God that's interesting that I learned a long time ago. Um, judgment is not essential to God's character. Um, his goodness is essential. Judgment is a result of his goodness. Mm. And therefore, it's a necessary response of his goodness, but it's not essential. It's not the thing that you're going to find in the heart of God as a, as like a first order aspect of who he is. He's just and therefore, he's a, a judge, and he will judge those who are in sin. But at the heart of who God is, I mean, think about this, First John 4, 9. Um, God is love. We, we right. define him as love. We define him as good. Right. These other things that he exercises, his judgment, for instance, is, a, is an aspect uh, of, of who he is at the heart. Right. Or you think of the passage where it says, God does not delight in the death of the wicked. Right. Um, that, that there is that compassion there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, verse 12 is a sobering verse as well, because Moab eventually comes to themselves or they, they're prophesied that they will come to themselves and come to the sanctuary. And yet their, their prayers will not be heard, um, that it will be too late for them at that point because they of their rejection of God. And so again, this is for Moab. Yes, but primarily it's for Judah reminding Judah, Hey, trust in God. This is in this subsection. Remember that started back in chapter 13, where Isaiah is laying out God's sovereignty over the nations. And right now you had Assyria on a terror. Assyria was eventually going to come after Jerusalem and then Jerusalem would be delivered from Assyria at least. Uh, but this is, this is Isaiah warning them and re- reminding Judah, Hey, trust in God throughout this process. That's right. Chapter 17 then turns to Damascus, but it's interesting because it's, it's not Damascus alone. It's Damascus and Ephraim. Now Ephraim is a name that we've mentioned a couple times on this podcast, but Ephraim is a, another name for the Northern tribes. This is another name for Israel, uh, the, the Northern kingdom, if you will. But notice who's given top billing in chapter 17. It's not Israel. It's Ephraim. Ephraim, Damascus is the one, or uh, Damascus is given top billing, rather. Damascus is the one that's in view here. And that's because Ephraim had uh, had turned their back on God, turned their back on Yahweh, and linked themselves with Syria, with Damascus here. Right. And so the, the warning is against Damascus as the head under which Ephraim or the Northern Kingdom is is subsumed. And so you've got this judgment against Damascus that is also going to befall Israel because Israel had chosen to trust in Damascus and not in God. Right. And that's probably one of the ongoing temptations of the church today. I don't think it's just Ephraim. It's the church. The Syro-Ephraimite alliance is the same. They're doing the thing that the church would be tempted to do, to make an alliance perhaps with the Republican Party, whatever the conservative party is. Mm. The church would be tempted to make an alliance with worldly powers and worldly influences in order to to bolster her position. And the, the mistake that we want to avoid is what they're doing here. We don't want to partner with the world and its system in order to defend ourselves or to empower ourselves to make strides. No, we want to trust in the Lord. Uh, verse seven, in that day, man will look to his maker and his eyes will look on the Holy One of Israel. God's going to judge them and stop them in their tracks in order that they wouldn't put their trust in man-made alliances, but in the Holy One of Israel, God, Yahweh. Right, right. And, and still again here, similar with, with Moab, this repentance that we find there in verse seven is, uh, it, it, it really proves to be fruitless for Israel. Israel is brought to their knees. And, and this is one of the terrifying things, right? We've, 
there's that that time philippians 2 talks about it every knee will bow and every tongue confess whether in heaven or on earth or under the earth that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father that will be true of everyone from the the most evil wicked human being that has ever walked the face of the earth to the godliest saint every single knee will bow and confess that and so there's a difference though between whether that's done here and now in this life or whether that's done under the compulsion of the the submission of recognizing God's lordship in the future life but but it's too late at that point right right there was that book that came out a while back um, I forget the guy's name uh, Mars Hill Seuss. not Driscoll but the other Mars Hill uh, love wins Rob Bell, oh, Bell right yes and this idea that that the love of God is powerful enough to melt the, the coldest heart of stone mm-hmm. and after you die uh, the only existence of hell is the time that it takes God's love to win the day and melt your heart so that you will come back to him. That's not true. And we see an example in the Old Testament. That's not how he operated with people. When they came to repent to him, but they came too late, it was too late. There was not a going back on this. There was not an undoing of what was done. The the bell had told and it was too late. Mm. And the writer of Hebrews says it exists for man to live once and then comes judgment or to die once and then comes judgment. Right. There is no concept that love wins after we die. And so as Christians, we need to be on the right side on the right side. So to speak, <laughs> we need to be in the right time on the right side. And that's here and now and not then and there. If I could just add one quick thing to that, recognize that when people die, there's this, for whatever reason, there's a concept that when people die, that we suddenly stop sinning. Yeah. That's not true. Yeah. I mean, we have no evidence of that in the scriptures, except for Christians who are glorified. Right. For those of us who are in Christ, we do stop sinning. In fact, we're guaranteed no longer to sin because we will be glorified into the image of Christ. But that's not the case for those who are unbelievers. They weep and they gnash their teeth. Think about this. What does gnashing your teeth typically conjure up in your mind? It's not a smile. No. Right? Gnashing your teeth is, a, is an angry, uh, vitriolic, like I, I hate you kind of anger. They weep and they gnash their teeth Uh, their teeth against God. They continue in their sinful state for all of time and eternity. So that never stops. And therefore their punishment never ceases. Yeah. 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 And heavy, uh, it is heavy. And and probably a lot of that comes from this, uh, a perceived sense of injustice from the sinner saying, man, I I can't, I, I, okay. Haven't I paid enough? Haven't I suffered enough? Like, why am I still suffering this that continues to foster an anger towards God for, for him doing what is just and what is right. Well, yeah, I mean, there's so many things behind that, but yeah, I mean, yeah. the anger, the, the sense of indignation on their part. Yeah. Yeah. 1714, uh, note this, this is turning the attention to uh, to what would befall uh, Assyria uh, eventually, and that, is, at least I, I think that's what's being alluded to here. There's questions, but I, I think that's there, and it's, again, a reminder to Judah to trust in God and not turn to these alliances, because it says, at evening time, behold, terror. Well, Assyria came and, and laid siege to Jerusalem, and they were there, and, and there was an, an evening that came when Jerusalem was, was facing a, a difficult situation. Assyria was a more powerful nation, and they had a greater army, and yet what happened, the angel the Lord went out and this is described in Isaiah 37, 36 through 38. And it says before morning, they are no more. And so I think we see a, a prophetic vision of what would eventually befall Assyria there in the end of chapter 17. Right. Remember Israel is taken by the Assyrians in what year? 722 Seven BC. Very good. 22. Don't forget that. And when we talk about Jerusalem, we're, we're talking about Judah. I know it's hard to keep the nicknames in view here. It is. And so I appreciate that you keep bringing that up, Pastor PJ. But remember, when we talk about Jerusalem, we're talking about Judah, You're right. Ephraim, Israel. We're talking about the Northern kingdom. So do your best to keep these in mind as we talk through these. Right. Because Rehoboam and Jeroboam, that's where these two kingdoms split from, right? You had King Solomon. Well, you had Saul, you had King David, you had King Solomon, United Kingdom there, right? 
with Israel. And then after King Solomon, you had his two sons, Re- or you had Rehoboam and then Jeroboam, Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. And that's when the kingdom split. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Jeroboam went north with his 10 tribes and uh, Rehoboam stayed in the, in the south with, with Judah. And that became the southern kingdom. So northern kingdom, southern kingdom, northern kingdom taken by Assyria in 722. Southern kingdom would fall later to Babylon. Uh, in 586. 586. Yeah. Chapter 18, then we turn to Cush. You may wonder who in the world is Cush. What is Cush? Uh, Cush is probably the region we most commonly associate with Ethiopia at this time. It was maybe a little bit of a broader geographic region than what is traditionally Ethiopia today, but that is what's primarily in view. And what's significant about that is during this time, uh, Cush or the the region of Ethiopia was considered to be uh, the the furthest ends of the earth because that was the, the southernmost part of the tributaries of the Nile River. And so when the the people of Israel thought of the ends of the earth at this time, the Nile was such an important part for agriculture and everything else in Egypt. And Cush was beyond that. This was the ends of the earth, so to speak. And so I think there's some significance there as the Lord now turns to uh, address Cush and address Ethiopia. And uh, he's calling for messengers from here. It's not necessarily a judgment against them, but he's calling for messengers. And if this is truly to be understood as the ends of the earth, God is beckoning for messengers from the ends of the earth to come and carry his message. And there's some ambiguity in chapter 18, except we know part of the message is there in verse three. Listen, all you inhabitants of the world, all you who dwell on earth, when a signal is raised on the mountains, look, when a trumpet is blown here. And so God is calling for people to pay attention to him and to be ready for his message when he comes to deliver it. Smart of the world to pay attention to the woes that God bestows upon the world. I mean, the, the when God's judgment is exercised, the wise will pay attention. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's jump over to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians chapter one. Such a good chapter. I think all of Ephesians, man, I just have a hard time narrowing it down. Yeah. The, the opening here with the, the, the blessings in uh, verses three through uh, 14, uh, one sentence. That, that's what every preacher points out, right? So we might that's as well true. throw that out there. We, we might as well. One run on sentence from the apostle Paul. Um, which I love from Paul and you see it in Ephesians. I think you see his heart uh, that, that he just, how passionate he was for what he was writing because he interrupts himself <laughs> so many times. Like when he starts praying in chapter two and he doesn't get back to praying or chapter one, and then he doesn't get back to praying until chapter three. And he's it, this interlude with amazing theology in the midst of it, but it was just Paul's passion flowing out in, uh, in his writing there. But this opening in, in chapter three is pretty amazing. And I, the way I summed it up, and then I want to get your thoughts on it, Pastor Rod, since you're, you've been preaching through this, but this idea of this, this blessing section is, is basically God's purpose is for our salvation that would redound to his glory. Mm. So that's the, the, the blessings that we get is, is that he has purposed that we would be saved for his glory. I think that's a pretty fair summarization. We see in verse six, this is to the praise of his glorious grace. We see in verse 12 to the praise of his glory. Um, we see again in verse 14, 14 to the praise of his glory yet again. Uh, clearly Paul's intention here is to remind us that this whole thing is, is, for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ, which is right. why I love one of our church distinctives. Like we, we maintain a high view of God. And it's verses like this, passages like this, that give us no other choice. Everything's about him. Everything rises and falls on who Jesus is. And I love it because it reinforces what we are all about. We, we do this podcast to the praise of his glorious grace. We're saved to the praise of his glorious mm-hmm. grace, which is to say that your ultimate purpose is to be to the praise of his glorious grace. Yeah. Yeah. Super helpful there. And, and just again, that, that purpose, right. And that's so humbling for us and that, that it's, it's, he's working all things according to the counsel of his will. And part of his will is that we would get to be saved. 
that we would be part of his family, that we'd be sons and daughters of God. What an amazing reality that is that we get to hold on to. And such an interesting aspect of it is that there's so few. I mean, Matthew 7 reminds us that there's few who be who find that way. Right. When we remember that, I mean, that can do several things to us. At minimum, it should give us great humility. Yeah. I mean, great humility to feel that sense of, man, I, Lord, I didn't choose you. You chose me. And, right. and I, I'm not smart enough to pursue you. You you gave me your spirit to cha- transform me, to make me yours. I am profoundly thankful. God, thank you. Use me as you will. Right. Right. It's Isaiah 6 all over. Yep. Yep. Yeah, he gets into the next section, though, of the Thanksgiving and, and prayer. And one of the things that uh, when I send out birthday cards that I always try to do is I, I try to write in the card and, and end it by saying something like, I, I pray that this will be your best year yet as God continues to to conform you more to the image of Jesus as you grow more and more in your understanding and knowledge of him, right? And it's it's kind of that echo of, of what Paul's prayer is here as he's he's praying uh, that we would have the, the spirit of wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of Christ, having our eyes enlightened, that we may know what is the hope to which he is called you the glorious uh, the, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe the mm. idea here is this prayer is an evergreen prayer for us as believers and in, in, in the church right i mean it's it's just this we're never going to get to the place where it's we don't need someone praying this for us and paul was praying it for the believers in ephesus there i think it's a good prayer for us to to hold on to to pray for ourselves to pray for one another to pray for our community groups to pray for over our families it's such a, an encouraging prayer here yeah please do man uh, this is such a copy and paste this into your prayer journal yeah. and just find a couple people that need to have you pray this over them. I mean, it's really applicable to anybody, but there's people in your life that you can think of who needs this prayer. I, I mean, put it, put it on my prayer. If you wouldn't mind, if you yeah. want to pray for me and put Same. this in there, put that in there. I'll take it. Now we need this prayer every day. Yeah, we do. We do. There's so much more in Ephesians and uh, such a rich book, such a good book, uh, encouraging uh, book for us. Excited to get back into it uh, more and more as we continue over the next couple of days in the Daily Bible Podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us today, though, and we hope and pray that you will join us tomorrow, Lord willing, for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. See you tomorrow. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.